Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Magnet Podcast with me, your host, Wes Easley, at Loafinet on Twitter, and Fantasy Coach JB on Twitter as well. How you doing tonight, Mr. JB? Doing good, Wes. Was looking a day away from playoff football by the time people will be listening to this. You can't beat that, man. Wild card weekend, too. That's a fun weekend. I'm not going to say it's the best weekend of football because, and I don't know this year, next weekend is usually the better weekend to me where, you know, you kind of get some of those teams that snuck in there, kind of like my Bears snuck in there this year, uh, out of the way, and it's really, really good football from there on out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even these games with some of those teams that you don't expect to make it or barely made it in, should I say? I think Uh, they're going to be good games, and we'll talk about it. Maybe not your Bears game, but I think some of them will be. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I actually, um, I don't don't know. I don't know. Bears might have a little puncher's shot there. Might have a little puncher's chance in in this game. I don't don't know. It's not outside. Any given Sunday, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I still have that blockbuster VHS game uh, tape here somewhere, and it's probably got a big rental fee re- still left on it, and that's probably all that the Bears will be able to handle too on Sunday is is some big late late fee on there. Hey, JB, though we do have several games to go over, and the way we're going to cover this is we have a couple of different formats. I, I know we've talked about the Baby Bowl here at the Fantasy Impact Today Network, so maybe we'll highlight some of those players as well. And also, JB has an interesting format that he is in from a playoff bracket standpoint and jb why don't you explain that to us because i I, you've already explained it to me twice and i still don't know if i understand (laughs) yeah and that's the cool part about playoffs because there's really no set way to do playoff fantasy football so i know a lot of people do it different ways um i think nffc does one that's similar to the one i'm doing you mentioned the baby bowl that's kind of a one and done Um, that's a popular way to do playoff fantasy, but what my friend Rob does, he does it every year. And now this year with the expanded playoffs, he expanded the lineup or our roster. So basically you're picking one player from each of the playoff teams and you you can only use one player from each team. So for example, if you use Aaron Rodgers, you can't use Aaron Jones or Devonta Adams. You can only use one player from each team. So with the 14 teams now, He set it up with three quarterbacks, three running backs, three wide receivers, three tight ends, and then a flex that could be a running back or wide receiver and a flex that could be a wide receiver or a tight end. Um, NFFC, I believe, does it with 12 still. So there's really two that you can kind of throw away, which most people are talking about throwing away the Bears and somebody else. So, (laughs) but, um, you know, there's different ways to do this, but I like this format because there's strategy involved in thinking about all right, who's going to play how many games? You know, is Josh Allen more valuable than Mahomes because he could potentially play an extra game than Mahomes? So it's important to do your brackets, do your own brackets. And when I was setting my lineup for this, that's exactly what I did. I did my bracket, how I see the playoffs shaping out. And then I say, okay, who do I have playing one game? Who do I have playing two games? Who do I have playing three games? And one team I have playing four games. So that's a good way to do it so that way you could pick your your players based on that you know i want my quarterback to play three or four games you know so it's a cool format and we'll get into it a little bit and, and talk about strategy once we recap or or preview these games should i say 
I know the listeners heard you say, I have one team playing four games. And I <laughs> I can only imagine which team that is, JB. You know? <laughs> That's right. You know Homer. it. Yeah, Homer. All right. <laughs> hey, let's start, though, here. Uh, so, okay, so like the entire playoff, if you pick Josh Allen from the Buffalo Bills, that's who you have the entire time, right? Is that what you're saying? Right. So, you, for, okay. like I said, there's three quarterbacks, three running so backs, three like receivers. it's kind of like a season long, so, right? It's kind of like a it, season long. Kind of. But now, let's say, for example, you pick Lamar Jackson as one of your quarterbacks, yeah. and they lose this first game. Now you've yeah. lost one of your quarterbacks, and that's valuable. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's what I'd be, be like picking Lamar Jackson at the beginning of the Razz Bowl, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even mean to jab you with that one. <laughs> <laughs> or Michael Thomas in the first round and Lamar Jackson in the second round. How about that? Yeah, I, I, I didn't even look at that. You know, and, and, and hey, uh, uh, Donkey Teeth, that, that, you know, I, I should have listened to him, I guess, at the beginning part. But they were just so enticing right there where they were, where I was drafting. And, and I was like, okay, YOLO, 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 you know. <laughs> and then after the first week. It was kind of like, all right, I don't need to pay attention to this one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was, that, that was rough. It it was it was a, it was a hard spot to be in. But uh, all right, so we have the first game: Indianapolis at Buffalo, and this is our first wild card game of the weekend. And JB, and this is an interesting matchup because what we do is we have Philip Rivers, who's that aged veteran, and and we have uh, Allen, who's Josh Allen, who's just coming up in age. He's really improved this year, and I'm not going to say he took a a torch from Philip Rivers or anything like that, because I don't know that Philip Rivers necessarily had a torch to pass. But Josh Allen has moved up the ranks in the NFL. Buffalo is actually the second best team in points per game in the NFL, JB. Yards per game, they are fourth. Third in passing yards per game. This is just a team that has really been clicking offensively. And not only do they lean on Josh Allen's legs, but he's been getting it done with the arm this year as well. Absolutely. And that's why he was mentioned in the MVP candidate conversation. You know, obviously it's it's been kind of and if you go by Vegas odds, it's kind of been a two man race for a while with Mahomes and, and Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, if there was a third person coming into that conversation, it's Josh Allen because of what he's been doing in Buffalo this year. I mean, a lot of people underdrafted him because there was talk in draft season about, oh, he's not going to run as much. Um, nobody knew what the connection with Diggs would be like. But, man, the two of them have really lit it up. And, and Allen's really taken a step into, you know, the conversation of being an elite quarterback in this league. You know, he had a 69% completion percentage, which was drastically nice. improved from last year. 4,500 passing yards, plus a couple more. And and that means 284 yards per game, 37 touchdowns to 10 interceptions, JB. And then all, with his legs, he rushed the ball for 102 times, 420 warden yards rushing with eight touchdowns, my friend. That is an MVP type of season. But, you know, Philip Rivers didn't do too bad either. He had a 68% uh, completion percentage and 4,100 yards passing, 24 touchdowns and just 11 interceptions. And actually, he ran the ball. How many times did, how many times did Philip Rivers run the ball this year? Seven. <laughs> no, higher. 14. Higher. 30. They probably count sacks as, as rushes. I, I don't know. 18 times. Definitely How not designed runs. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't no read options there. How many yards rushing did Phillip Rivers have? Mm, 18 times for 42 yards. Negative 8 yards. <laughs> 
Yeah, they definitely count sacks then as rushes. <laughs> yes, it's just funny to look at. Longest was three yards, three yards. And by the way, Trey Burton rushed the ball twice for three yards. So nice. Just really funny looking. All right. Anyway, when we look at this, we're definitely going to give the edge to Josh Allen being at home with that arm strength in Buffalo, where the weather is going to be a little bit chilly. I don't, I don't necessarily see any like super windy conditions like usually is in Buffalo this time. Um, it just doesn't show anything like that. Yeah, and and look, he's got a good test in front of him with this indie defense. You know, you and I have talked about this defense a lot, and it's been one of the better defenses in the league. So this is one of those games that I kind of alluded to earlier when I said, you know, some of these teams that just kind of snuck in, i.e. the Colts, who needed some help to get in and needed a win last week, they can make this a game. I think Buffalo is being looked at as a team that, everybody's kind of already putting in the AFC championship game. You know, everybody's already selling it. It's going to be Kansas City, Buffalo. And, and, you know, if anybody's going to sneak in, maybe it's Baltimore. Like, that's what what you're hearing. That's what you're talking about. But, man, if the Colts come in here with that defense and and run the ball with the ground attack like they have been doing, they could certainly make this a game and kind of just spoil the whole playoffs for everybody. Yeah, they really can. Uh, and I'm not going to say that they can't do that at all because, you know, Philip Rivers is that uh, little crafty veteran and he might be able to do it. And that running game for the Indianapolis Colts, that, I think that that's where they really have an advantage this week, especially against the Buffalo Bills. Both teams like to control the ball a lot. They like to keep the, the clock rolling, running and they like to control time of possession. Both of these teams do not really run in and gun in. Uh, are they going to be able to pound the rock, though, this week? I think they can because Buffalo is susceptible to a run game and Indy has a really good offensive line. So I think that it it is a good matchup for Jonathan Taylor to be able to run. I think they're going to have to get him going because Philip Rivers, like you said, he's a game manager and teams like the Ravens, like the Buccaneers win Super Bowls with defense, a running attack and a game managing quarterback. And that's what Philip Rivers is at this point in his career. So I do think that they are going to have success on the ground and they're going to need to have success on the ground in order to make this a game. Okay, now here we go. You know, we always like to do quiz shows because you, of course, have been on a quiz show yourself or a game (laughs) show. So Jonathan Taylor, uh, how many yards rushing did he have this year? He started off kind of slow at the beginning of the year. I don't think that he even had that starter's position going into the season. It took a little bit of time for that rookie to acclimate to the NFL uh, lifestyle. So how many yards rushing did he have this year? He really came on at the end of the year. I mean, he had a big end of the year, kind of led people to championships. He was on a lot of championship rosters. I would probably say he broke 1,000, maybe even 1,100 or so, close to 1,100. 1,169 yards. You know, about halfway halfway through the season, I wouldn't have thought that he would be able to break 1,000 yards. I think nowadays that 1,000-yard standard that I thought of as a kid growing up, that a running back, if it got to it, would be a successful season, I think it's almost a given. You know, if you just – because he had five yards per carry, 232 rushes. It's just almost a given that if you're a starting NFL running back, you better get to 1,000 yards or else something's wrong. Uh, yes and no, because there's a lot of these split backfields and stuff now. So you got to hope they get to 232 carries. And mm-hmm. the way that Indy was playing the first half of the season, you didn't think he was going to. He wasn't the feature back. He wasn't getting all those carries in the beginning. I mean, people were talking about, well, you know, hey, I'm going to pick up Naeem Hines and I'm going to start him over Jonathan Taylor. So, you know, you got to hope that they get 
that amount of rushes in order to get to that. But you're right. If they're getting the volume, if it's a lead back, a true feature back, then yeah, a thousand yards should be a given. Now, the, and this is exactly what ended up happening to Buffalo's backfield, I think, this year, which, by the way, are, are, I would stay away from Buffalo's backfield next year when I'm drafting. Am I correct in thinking that, JB, unless, you know, it just gets down to that Kevin Topkins range where you are like, OK, I got to get a running back here at some point, And who knows, maybe one of these guys will get hurt or and, and end up being the starting running back here. Uh, I, I think that Devin Singletary and the Zach Moss combination really didn't work that great for Buffalo this season. I want to know your take on that though. No, I agree. It didn't play out the way that I thought it would. Um, you know, Moss did miss some time, so it might've kind of skewed things the other way, you know, made Singletary Mm -hmm. the quote unquote better fantasy back because he played four more games. It's not a backfield that I'm going to look to target next year, but if Moss falls into my lap at a at a spot of value, I would be happy to have him on my team as you know one of those later running backs. Sure, and 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 Devin Singletary ended up leading the Buffalo Bill backfield with 687 rushing yards. Zach Moss just 481. Uh, Moss did have four touchdowns, where Singletary only had two. JB, and two. that's the thing. Moss was the guy when they got in the red zone, when they got mm-hmm. to the goal line. It was Moss, but like you mentioned. Josh Allen's taking some of those rushing touchdowns, too, which we knew were going to happen. Right. But I'd rather have the guy who is the one that's going to be punching it in than have the guy who's, you know, might rush for a couple more yards, you know? Yes. And, and the wide receiver position here for the Indianapolis Colts, who ended up on top for the Colts as far as receptions go, JB? It's got to be T.Y. with that second half surge, no? Yes, it was uh, for wide receivers. Actually, Naheem Hines had 63 uh, catches, but for the wide receivers, T.Y. Hilton ended up with 56, Zach Pascal with 44, and Pittman with 40, J.B. And uh, uh, T.Y. ended up just short of 1,000 yards, I guess. I I don't know how that connection just didn't end up working better at the beginning of the year, but he had 762 receiving yards. But I think one of the key things was T.Y. was on the field just about every game this year. Yeah, and that was surprising for a lot of people because you never know if he's going to stay healthy. And it took a little while for them to form a connection. You know, you got a veteran quarterback and a veteran receiver who are used to doing things certain ways, and now they kind of have to work together to figure out what their way is going to be, and it took a little bit of time. I'm interested to see his matchup against Tredavious White this week because I feel like the Bills will look to take Hilton out with Tredavious White and make guys like Zach Pascal and Michael Pittman make plays in the passing game if they're going to need to throw the ball. I think at this point, if we're talking about, you know, playoff fantasy or something like that, I'm not going to play any of the wide receivers from Indy this week. You know, I'm going to play Taylor and I might play a tight end if I have to. You know, Doyle's been involved more. He's healthy again. So that might be the way Rivers will have to look if Hilton is taken out of the game. Yeah, and from a game perspective, you just don't know where uh, Philip Rivers is going to be able to is going to decide to throw the football because there's so many people that got so many receptions. He just spread the ball out so evenly there among the Indianapolis Colts. It's not friendly for fantasy, but man, it could be a friendly combination for winning. That uh, maybe this week, maybe this week. Over on the Buffalo Bills sideline, how many receptions? Did Stefan Diggs end up with this season? I will set the uh, game to or the the reception total at 120. Oh, he had um, 120. I know he had over 100. He's. I'll take the over by maybe a couple of catches. 
127 was the actual total yeah. for Stefan Diggs, which is a great total to be able to have. 1,535 yards. Cole Beasley just fell short of 1,000 yards at 967. He had 82 receptions himself. So that is just great. And you talk about air yards. Air, this whole team has air yards, JB. Diggs with 12. Beasley with 11. Or I say air yards. This is their average per reception, excuse me. Uh, 12, 12 for Diggs. Beasley had 12. Uh, D- Davis. What was his first name? Gilbert Davis. Is that his name? Is that Gabriel. 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 That, that was my guy too. I couldn't remember. <laughs> Gabriel Davis <laughs> with 17 yards per reception. Just It just goes down like that. And even the tight end had 12 yards per reception for Knox. Uh, JB, this is a big offense relying on big plays, it seems like to me. Yeah. for uh, And they're exciting plays too and exciting players. You know, you look at a guy like you mentioned, like Gabriel Davis, who who's made a lot of exciting plays down the field. And of course, we you, we know what Stephon Diggs has done this year. My concern, Wes, is that I don't think Beasley's playing. Beasley's mm-hmm. been injured, and I, I would I, I would be pretty sure that he's not going to play this game. And Stephon Diggs w- didn't practice yesterday. Um, he was limited one day. Then he went to DNP which normally if it goes in that direction, it's not a good thing. If this was a regular season game, I would say, you know what? He's probably not going to play this week. Um, It's an oblique injury, so you never know how severe it could be or how limiting it could be. But I think he's going to do everything he can to get out on the field. But if he doesn't play, if by chance he doesn't play, that leaves John Brown and Gabriel Davis. And that's where I think if that's the receiving core that Allen has, that's where I think Indy really has a chance for an upset if Diggs doesn't play. No, yes, and, and they'll throw an Isaiah McKenzie in there who was a star last week. I think he gets several different touchdowns for him last week, but you're right. That would be a huge advantage for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you take away the eight touchdowns that Stephon Diggs had and the four touchdowns that Beasley had. Uh, Davis was the next one in line with seven touchdowns last year. That, that That's a remarkable thing. I know John Brown was hurt for a lot of the season, but still Gabriel Davis stepped up. Uh, I don't know if he could step up into that number one receiver role or even John Brown and his health. It sure would be scary to have to count on them if you're Buffalo Bills fans. Yeah, and I'm not I haven't looked at DFS pricing yet, but I would think that Gabriel Davis could be a nice value play if you're playing DFS this week or if you're doing the, you know, the Saturday contest, I think Gabe Davis could certainly be a good value play. Yeah, he's at 4K on DraftKings, I believe, this week. So that's always that's a good right. play. All right, so uh, both defenses pretty good at this point. We talked about them. Who's your pick for this game, JB? If I had to pick one player from this game, it's Josh Allen. I mean, even against a tough defense, you can't really play Diggs because you don't know, you know, who if he's going to play or not. Um, you can't really use the backfield. Like you said, it's too up and down. So Josh Allen's going to be my play. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the league right now, especially in the playoffs. Um, for my contest, if, if that's where we're going, it's going to be Allen from the Buffalo side and it's going to be Taylor from the Indy side. Okay, I can see that. And if you're talking about Baby Bowl, when I think about Josh Allen, he, he's always going to be a good play. I'm not sure if I, I think he might be able to find a better matchup than this somewhere along the lines. I do know the Indianapolis Colt defense is pretty good. And if you don't have the wide receivers in there, so maybe I'm thinking about sitting at Josh Allen for a minute. But man, that looks like a really good smash spot if, if Diggs and Beasley are out for a Davis or a Brown to be able to receive a lot of attention from uh, from Jonathan Taylor, or Josh uh, from who Josh Allen Josh Allen man oh, Jonathan Taylor Josh Allen uh, from Josh Allen this week so that'd be really interesting to do and yeah I love the the pick 
of a Jonathan Taylor this week. That have him fresh on my mind. Okay, JB, uh, who's who? You think is going to win the game though? Indianapolis or Buffalo? I think it's going to hinge on if Diggs plays, but I do have Buffalo winning this game. You made a good point though, Wes, in regards to the baby ball. I think that if Diggs doesn't play. It could be a good time to use a Gabriel Davis. So, you know, I, I say baby bowl, we say baby bowl because we're in it. But anybody who's playing a one and done type format where you pick one player and you can't use him again, if you have the Bills going, you know, to the AFC Championship or, or to the Super Bowl, you're going to need to play a few Buffalo Bills, you'd figure, throughout the course of the playoffs. So you're right. This could be a really good sneaky chance to get a Gabe Davis or a John Brown in your lineup. Yeah, and if you don't know what the baby bowl is, go over to Rob Norton's uh, pin tweet, at Norton0723 on Twitter, and you can see all about that baby bowl. Pretty cheap entry fee into some playoff contests, mm-hmm. and not only does uh, does does the, some of the entry fee go to a good cause, the March of Dimes, but also you get a chance to win some of that money back as well. I think half of it goes to March of Dimes, and half goes into the player pool, I believe is what it's called. JB, our yeah. next game is the Los Angeles Rams. At the Seattle Seahawks, these guys met just last week, but we're going to throw that one out the window because they ain't going to show. They're not going to show much of anything in a week like last week. And, and what's the status? We ne- need to know the status on Jared Goff. So apparently, he was throwing footballs today. So that's a good step in the right direction. Um, they still obviously don't have word on if he's going to play or not, and I think they'll hold that to the vest until maybe even game time. You know, they'll probably make it a game time decision. Um, but it is good. Good sign that he was throwing footballs today. And Cooper Cup was also activated off the reserve COVID list today. So they'll have him back. So they are getting healthier on the Los Angeles side. And I think uh, an offensive lineman as well, he was activated off the inter-reserve list, so he'll be able to play, which is going to be a a key aspect of trying to get Cam Akers going if Cam Akers is playing again. Yeah, and, and Akers didn't do much last week, but he was still coming back off of that high ankle sprain and probably wasn't at 100%. I mean, he only sat out one game, so he couldn't have possibly been at 100% last week. So now he's got another week of rest and and recovery behind him. And yeah, getting back to a solid offensive line. This Rams offensive line is a top five offensive line in the league this year. They've played really well. So they do need that to get him going. And they're going to need to get him going regardless of who's playing quarterback to have a shot in this game. Now, if Wolford is playing quarterback, who, what is he, a rookie this year, I think he is, uh, John Wolford, uh, if he's playing quarterback, is he a guy who's can't be counted on at all if you're a Rams fan? Uh, you got to. <laughs> if he's okay. the guy, if you're a Rams fan, you got to count on him. What I saw is they kind of game-planned for him, the Rams did. They kind of catered their offense and their play-calling around him and didn't expect him to just step in and be Jared Goff. A lot of designed runs, a lot of move in the pocket. Uh, apparently, that's where he was most comfortable. And it worked. It worked. They won the game. It was an ugly game. It was a sloppy game. But they needed that win to secure a playoff spot. They got the win. And actually, that's what got the Bears in the playoffs, too. So you got to be a big John Walford fan yourself. <laughs> He might be the starting quarterback on my Bears next year. Who knows? I don't know the situation. <laughs> Over on the Seattle side, of course, there's Russell Wilson, who's going to be that perennial favorite and all-star there in the in the, the playoffs. And we know that that's really where Russell Wilson makes his hay because he's been there, what, every probably every single year of his life, it seems like, <laughs> you know, that Russell Wilson has been there. How big of a year do you think he had this year, though, JB? How many touchdowns did Russell Wilson end up throwing for this year? Well, he kind of had that 
period in the middle of the year where they kind of fizzled out and went back to a ground and pound kind of offense. So he was on pace to be an MVP. I mm-hmm. don't, I don't think he ended up with 40, but probably close to it. 38, 37, I'll say. 40 it is. 40 touchdowns. Oh, did he get to 40? Okay. He did. He did. 13 interceptions uh, as well as 4,200 yards passing with a 68% completion percentage. Okay. All right. Yeah, that, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And and you talked about that backfield a little bit. That backfield just, it, it you know, when you talk about the backfield, you got to include Russell Wilson in there. He rushed the ball 83 times for 500 yards, and that wasn't much below Chris Carson's 104, 141 rushing attempts for just 681 yards this year, just below a, a hair below five yards per carry. But uh, still, that, that running game just, it, it, it's there if they use it. I'm just not sure that they like to use it. Yeah, and they might have to this game just to kind of open up the play action. If you look at the success that they had in the beginning of the season, right? Uh, yeah. I think they had an early bye, a week six or a week seven bye. But all those games leading up to their bye week, when Russell Wilson, when Russ was cooking, Chris Carson was very involved. Yeah. He was he was carrying the ball probably 15 to 18 times a game. He was scoring touchdowns, and that was opening up the passing game. So I think they are going to need to kind of get back to that, let Carson run the rock a little bit. He can be a factor out of the backfield catching passes as well. And then you let Russ cook from that. So I think they're going to need to get back to that, and I think Pete Carroll will. I, I hope so. That's it's what you need to do in playoff time for sure. Maybe he was helping, letting the guys rest until then. But, yeah, Chris Carson was making a huge fantasy impact at the beginning of the year, even through the air. I remember going, what in the world are they doing, throwing the ball to Chris Carson 20 yards down the field? That was seems kind of strange. Uh, over on the, uh, the Rams side of things, as far as rushing the ball, we talked about Cam Akers a little bit. But this season, they just had a, a jumbled up backfield between Akers, Henderson, Brown. It was kind of a fantasy headache. And, thankfully, Akers kind of seemed to be handed the – the torch uh, at the end of the season until he got hurt, which wasn't very long. Yeah, it took him a while to get there. I mean, that backfield was a headache for all of us fantasy managers all year. It was that three-headed monster. And as somebody who had Daryl Henderson in a, in a league or two, it was great to be able to use him in the beginning of the season when he was the lead back, especially on teams where you lost Saquon or something like that. But then people that held on to Acres through the trials and tribulations ended up getting paid off in the long run when it came down to playoff fantasy. He had a couple of big games in the playoffs for you. So I think it is his backfield. They did hand the reins over. Obviously, Henderson is, is hurt now, so he's out of the picture. And Malcolm Brown's not really a threat to him. So it's going to be Acres leading the backfield. And I think behind that offensive line against the Seahawks team who you can run against, I think he could find success this week. Three running backs in that backfield had over 100 carries. Cam Akers ended up with 145, and Henderson ended up with 138. But Brown ended up with 101 as well, just a jumbled-up backfield <laughs> that, for fantasy purposes, I, I, I don't know if I could trust it going into next year either because I don't I don't believe the things that end up coming out of the head coach's mouth there. Oh, we're just, it's going to be whoever's hot, whoever's hot. I, I do kind of believe that if he says that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> receiving the ball for the Los Angeles Rams, it's, it's always Cooper Cup. Or uh, Robert Woods, is there anybody else that may designate themselves as a pass receiver this week, JB, or is it just one of those two guys? Yeah, it's it's one of those two because obviously Reynolds is involved. He plays um, with Walford last week. You saw the rookie Jefferson getting involved also because they had that backup connection. But yeah, if you're playing 
playoff fantasy, if you're playing DFS, I don't think you're going to reach to Reynolds. You're, you're going to use Woods or Cup if you're going to use somebody in that passing game. And it's a good matchup against Seattle. Seattle, you, you know, doesn't have the best secondary. So mm-hmm. I think Woods and Cup can be successful. I'm personally going to shy away from Cup because I, I'm just somebody who has recovered from COVID and I'm no NFL athlete or, or in the shape that these guys are in. But I can't see you just bouncing back from that and being 100%. Tyler Higby had five touchdowns in the regular season, JB, to Everett's one. It, it, do we have a clear-cut tight end choice there this week or just stay away from both of them? I would stay away from both, but if you're going to play one, it would be Higby. Higby has kind of stepped up these last few weeks. Um, I actually considered Higby for my contest, and only because I was down to two teams and I needed to fill a tight end position and a what was it? I think it was a running back position. So I needed to fill those two positions. And I thought about Higby, but I ended up not going Higby and I went with Cam Akers instead. Okay. I could see that. Uh, the wide receivers for the Seahawks are just about, it looks like a similar thing, you know, just about. I, I mean, I think they're completely different kinds of wide receivers because Metcalf and Lockett, when I think of Cooper and Woods, I think inside out game. But when I think of Metcalf and Lockett, I think outside stretch the field kind of a game. You know what I mean? Just that, that, that completely two different ones, but still the offense is concentrated around these two uh, wide receivers, DJ Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Let me ask you, JB, which one of these guys had the most receiving yards? Receiving yards? I think I would say DK. DK, how many? Uh, I saw this, too, because that's my dude. I think he got to 1,300. Yes, 1,303 is what it was. He ended up with 1,303. An average per reception, 15 yards per reception, JB. (laughs) Almost 16. I mean, it was almost 16. Uh, Which one of those two ended up with the most receptions, DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett? Lockett did by hitting 100 last week. Yeah, he did. He ended up with 100, 1,000 yards receiving compared to DK's 83 receptions. Now, let me ask you, which one of those two had the most touchdowns? I think that's a trick question because they both had 10. Woo! You're cheating. you got to be cheating. I got it? Yeah! I I heard Jeff Ratcliffe talking about it this morning. That's why I I had a little bit of help. Research, my friend. You are research, but I loved how you played it off. Like I wasn't going to call you out on down that knowing that answer before it. <laughs> I think I think it was. No, that's really good. How much did uh, what's his name, DJ David David Moore? How many David touchdowns Moore. did David Moore have? Mm, three or four. Yeah, he had six, six, which is did good, he? you know. Oh. Yeah, for a third for a third stringer, you know, for somebody who just kind of runs around out there, you know what I mean? He just kind of runs around out there. Thirty five receptions, four hundred and seventeen yards. I'm not going to say a good flex choice, but still, he it's just six touchdowns for somebody like that in that offense. You just don't ever hear his name, but yet he had six touchdowns. JB, is there any clear cut winner this week from a wide receiver standpoint for Seattle? Wait, uh, before we get there, real quick, did you see what Russell Wilson did for David Moore the last play of of last week's game? No. So David Moore had an incentive that he got an extra, you know, I, I don't remember what it was, $10,000. I think it was $100,000 mm-hmm. if he caught 35 passes. He was at 34. There was six seconds left in a game that Seattle was winning. 
Coach called in the play to kneel down. Russell Wilson said, "Uh uh-uh. Called one of those little shovel pass plays to David Moore. Got him his 35th reception. And the next play, he kneeled down. Okay. The announcers, the announcers were going. I, I don't understand that at all. I don't. I don't know what that was about. And you even saw Pete Carroll on the sideline looking confused, like what's going on there. That's the type <laughs> of dude that Russell Wilson is. And afterwards, when they asked him about it, he goes, "Hey, it feels good to be able to help him and his family and and help his daughter out. So he deserved that. And that's the kind of guy Russell Wilson is." No, that that is cool. And that stuff is talked about in the locker room a little bit and in the huddle. And it's good to be able to have a relationship between a wide receiver and a quarterback to be able to. And I'm sure David Moore said, hey, dude, I need one more reception, man, <laughs> You know, on that drive <laughs> no, or something like no. that. And, and that's just how it plays out. And that that's always good. I think that's one of those things that the players know need to happen, you know, each and every each and every time. Who do you is your clear favorite in this game, JB, from the wide receiver standpoint for Seattle? So it's a little tricky. I'm going to say DK, even with the Jalen Ramsey shadow, when these guys played each other two weeks ago, it was still DK, even with the Ramsey shadow, that had the most targets, that had the most receptions. So I am going to stick with DK in this one. He's the guy who can be explosive, who can you know change the game in one play. So even against Ramsey in the tougher matchup, I'm still going to say DK is the guy. Okay. I, I I will agree with you on that because I just don't trust Tyler Lockett. It's just not my guy that I trust. But I think everything's going to come down to Russell Wilson being able to make good decisions. This is Russell Wilson's time of the year. If they're going to beat the Rams and they're going to beat that defense, it's going to have to be Russell keeping things alive, keeping things going. And if they're lucky, Jared Goff is not going to play in that Seattle Seahawks defense, uh, who is filled with a lot of veterans, I'll say. Uh, you know, they just got a lot of cagey guys over there that they'll be able to make that rookie make some mistakes, and that's how they're going to squeak out this victory. Yep, I agree with you, and I think that even if Goff does play, I'd still give the slight advantage to Seattle. I think Metcalf is going to come up big for Wilson. They're going to connect on a big play to win the game, so I'm, I'm going to lean Seattle on that one, too. And if you haven't figured it out yet, DK is my Seattle player that I've chosen for my playoff pool. I had to. He's my guy. Oh, that's a nice one. Hey, uh, JB, I think we, we're getting behind here on schedule. Let's just skip this next game and move over to the Baltimore yeah, Tennessee okay. game. Yeah, okay. No, we're going to talk about your terrible pick of who has the best <laughs> chance of pulling an upset this week. And we're going to talk about that, Wes, because you were way off base there. Obviously, you know, I think that the Colts have the best chance of pulling the upset. Maybe I would say the Browns if they didn't just lose their head coach to a COVID But it certainly is not the team with no name going into Tampa to face the GOAT and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Certainly not that one, Wes. What were you thinking? Well, I, look, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm thinking half the time. But whenever I think about that Washington defense and I think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, the offense scares me sometimes, JB. They don't show up for a half. Sometimes they don't show up for three quarters of the game, and then all of a sudden they come alive in the fourth quarter. And I, I look at the coaching staff, and to be honest with you, I trust Ron Rivera a little bit more to be able to come up with a game plan that will frustrate Tom Brady. We've seen it done before, not only in the playoffs, but we've seen it done in years past, just even in the regular season, multiple times this year. And if And if Mike Evans is hurt, which I don't know. Mike Evans is a gamer, dog. He He's a gamer bar none. I think that if he's a little bit banged up, he's still going to play. If he's a lot big banged up, he's still going to play and be effective down there in the goal line. But that's the kind of thing I see going on here is I just remember I have the vision 
of my Bears beating the Buccaneers, and I'm not trying to rub that in at all. I just saw as many times when it felt like um, that Tom Brady just really got frustrated out there at the field and couldn't do the things he wanted to do. But it is playoff season. It is Tom Brady season. So maybe my thoughts are just way wrong on that. Yeah, there were certainly times, and I'll agree with you, there were times during the season that it didn't really look like it was clicking and and he just kind of looked like eh, he he wasn't going at that full Tom Brady that you're used to seeing. But I think we saw it these last few games in the regular season and certainly it wasn't the toughest of matchups that the Bucks went against. Right. But uh, they looked to be clicking and and Mike Evans got to his thousand yards for the seventh consecutive year which set a record right before he got injured. He actually had a touchdown on the next play that he got injured on. Um, but like you said, he's a gamer. He's gone out there and he's played through injuries his whole career, basically. He was limited at practice on Thursday. So he didn't practice the first two days, Tuesday and Wednesday, but he was limited on Thursday. So that kind of shows me that he is doing everything he can to play Bruce Arians, who you never really believe what he says, but he's optimistic that Mike will play. And I think he'll be out there. I think that with him out there and Godwin stepping up and, and even Antonio making plays out there, obviously the Brady to Gronk connection has shown in the playoffs to be something. There's just too many weapons for even a good Washington football team defense. They have a good front, but they don't have a great secondary. If Philly was playing any sort of normal quarterback last week, and we won't get into that, but there were definitely <laughs> openings in that Washington secondary that they could have exploited, and I think Tom Brady will exploit that. You, you very well could be right, and, and for your sake, I hope that you are. I, I just think of the pass rush. I think of the defense that they do have, uh, and, and sometimes the ball control, for me, is the key whenever you get into that Tampa Bay offense. If they don't get into a rhythm and they're not able to get into a rhythm, and I think Washington is able to stop them from getting into a rhythm, not only defensively, but also with their offensive style of the dink and doink. The one good thing that Tampa Bay has for them, going, they got many multiple good things, I guess, but the the good thing to offset that Washington dink and doink is they uh, Tampa Bay also has a very good defense and they'll be able to negate some of those things. Really, it's just a, a couple of players on offense, but man, Riverboat Ron's going to pull out all the tricks, JB. He's not going home with anything left in his trick bag. I'll guarantee you that. Logan Thomas throwing passes. I don't know what it's going to end up being, but Washington's going to do something creative. Yeah, and the Bucks have played against Riverboat Ron for a long time with all his, his time in Carolina. So, you know, we kind of know what to expect. And I certainly respect him as a coach. He's a very good football coach. I just don't think he has the personnel this year on this Washington team to get it done. I mean, they're even talking about rotating quarterbacks because of all the pressure that the Bucks bring and Alex Smith's inability to get out of the pocket. So they're even talking about rotating quarterbacks. I mean, if you're talking about rotating quarterbacks, you, you can't really feel like that is a team that could win a playoff game against a perennial Super Bowl team. Like you're, I, you're, I, go ahead. I was going to say you're starting to convince me, JB. Yeah, I mean, look at it. Terry McLaurin is the guy, right? Terry McLaurin's a stud. I love Terry McLaurin. But the Buccaneers are going to have Carlton Davis back this week. 
And Carlton Davis has been a good cover corner, and Jamel Dean is also a good cover corner. Those are the two guys that play the outside corner spots for the Bucks. So Terry McLaurin will still be involved. He's going to get the targets. He'll have some catches. But I don't think he's going to have a huge game. The only guy in Washington that I can see having a big game is going to be a guy you mentioned before, Logan Thomas. I think that he can be involved in trick plays. Obviously, we've seen him throw throw passes, former quarterback, so he will be involved in trick plays. But I think that the linebacker is where you can kind of – this is where the NFL kind of stuck it to the Bucks, where they gave the Saints a Sunday game so Kamara could get back from COVID, but they gave the Bucks a Saturday game, and we're going to be missing Devin White, one of our stud linebackers. So I think Logan Thomas is going to be able to take advantage of either Sean Murphy bunting as the slot corner or the backup linebacker, Kevin Minter. So I think Logan Thomas is a guy who could have a good game. But other than that, I don't see Washington scoring much this game. So Logan Thomas is my pick for my playoff pool. And I think that, you know, Washington might put up 10 points, maybe 14 if you give him a trick play touchdown. Okay. All right. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I hope that Tampa Bay does win for your sake, JB. I don't know uh, who you're who, I, Tampa Bay's offense. If they do get to clicking, they could be very, very dangerous. Uh, is Ronald Jones fully healthy at this point? Yeah, Ronald Jones is healthy. He's in there. He's a guy that you can consider in DFS. You do you do talk about that Washington front seven being tough, and I think it's mostly a pass rush. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know that they're great against the run, but they're not bad against the run either. So I don't know if Jones of all the running back selections this week is a guy you're going to use in, in a playoff fantasy format, but he's, he is going to be the guy there. He's going to be the lead back. I'm going with Tom Brady in my playoff format. I get to pick three quarterbacks. So Brady's going to be one of them because I think they do throw the ball a lot. He's got a lot of weapons to throw to, and I think they play four games. So that's why I'm going Tom Brady as one of my quarterbacks. (laughs) I think of the baby bowl, Logan Thomas is one of those names that you do have to use. Uh, he may not be around for long in the playoffs, but I, I, he's definitely going to be somebody that you that you don't want to, I guess that you can burn pretty safely, uh, especially in this, this kind of format where you know he's just going to get plenty of targets and it seems like plenty of opportunities. So I'm looking at Logan Thomas to use it in tight end in a one-and-done situation. Yep. That's a good call. And and in the, in those one and dones, there's not a lot of tight ends you could use this week, if you think about it. Yeah. Kelsey's not playing this week. So, you know, you got Mark Andrews playing. But I think Logan Thomas is a top tight end this week. Got to be at least a top one or two or three. Top one or two or three, that's good for me. Hey, JB, don't <laughs> forget uh, to tune in to Anchor FM, and you can find the podcast there. You just look for Fantasy Impact Today, and you can subscribe to that Fantasy Impact Today show. And if it happens to be on the iTunes app, slap those stars around, leave a comment, leave a review, and also follow JB on Twitter at FantasyCoachJB. You can follow me on Twitter at Lofinit, and don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. The next game, JB, is the first game on Sunday. It's the Baltimore Ravens versus those Tennessee Titans. Who in the world is going to win this game, JB? This is the one that's probably going to be the most competitive game. This is the one that really nobody knows who's going to win. You know, I'm filling out my bracket, and it was pretty easy for me to fill out most of these games that we're going to see this weekend. I think it can be a very chalky weekend. But this is one, Wes, I think is a a complete toss-up. You know, these teams played each other last year on the playoffs. Baltimore was supposed to win that game, and Tennessee came in and upset them. So you could play this both ways. Does Tennessee have Baltimore's number, 
Or is this a revenge game? Revenge. I like the <laughs> revenge game. Hey, for the points per game, though, Tennessee is really, really good at that. Fourth in the league right now in uh, points per game. Third in yards per game, JB. And I know a lot of that's on the ground. They Both of these teams run the ball really, really well. Uh, Baltimore is first in rushing yards per game. And guess what? Tennessee is second in rushing yards per game. The biggest yep. difference, though, is Tennessee is number one in time of possession in the league, where Baltimore is 27th. So it's the big plays. It's those big plays. But I don't know if Tennessee can stop those big plays that uh, Lamar Jackson usually leads, either by his arm or by his feet. Yeah, and you know what's funny, Wes? We talk about this game being you know the most competitive of the games or the one that people are going to want to watch, and you want to say it's going to be the most exciting game on the slate. But it's not. It's going to be a tough, hard-nosed, ground-and-pound type of game. So if you like that type of football, then yeah, it's going to be exciting for you. But like you said, I don't know that Tennessee's defense is going to be able to hold up. It's not the same defense as it was last year. They haven't played the same as they did last year as that team who did upset Baltimore in the playoffs. I think Lamar Jackson's going to have to make some plays, though, with his arm. And I know you've talked about it all season long. You have zero faith in Lamar Jackson making plays with his arm. That being said, if you look at these last probably five or six weeks, he's been the number one fantasy quarterback. They've had a cake schedule, but this is also a pretty good matchup. So I think that Lamar Jackson's a guy who is going to have to make plays for them to win this game. And I think that they probably will. If I'm going to pick a team to win this game, it's going to be the Ravens because I think Lamar does make enough plays with both his legs and his arm to make it happen. Well, here's the thing. Uh, the the Houston, uh, Houston, dog, Houston, Tennessee Titans are 30th in the league in sacks this year. They don't get to the quarterback. So Lamar's going to have plenty of opportunity to stand back there and to try and throw the ball. Uh, the thing that I don't like whenever somebody has the opportunity to try and throw the ball and your name is Lamar Jackson, he also might just say, I ain't gonna throw it and just run, you know, because the because the <laughs> yeah. running lane opens up and that's where things really can get dangerous. I'm not gonna say this one could get ugly, but I've seen the Titans blown out many, many times this year, many times. Okay, and whenever they get down, they can't rely on that run. This is really gonna be decided. This game is gonna be decided. I think by the middle of the second quarter, because the Titans could be down by a bunch, and then that just takes them completely out of their game plan. And whenever that happens. It just doesn't seem to end well for the Tennessee Titans. Yep, you're absolutely right. I I would hope that it stays a competitive game because you do want to see Derrick Henry involved in the game. Obviously, you just like watching this guy play. I mean, he's a great running back, one of the best in the leagues. He's fun to watch in the open field, see which defender's going to try to tackle him and get thrown out of bounds with a stiff arm. So you, you hope this game stays competitive so you can see that. I think it will, and I think Vegas thinks it will, too, because it's a pretty close spread. I think it's a three-point spread, so I think it is going to be a close game and and that all those weapons that will want to be involved will be. Who led the Baltimore Ravens in rushing touchdowns, JB? Your boy, Gus the Bus. (laughs) You thought I was setting you up there, didn't you? That's good. I like how you thought. I like your thought process. J.K. Dobbins did with nine uh, Lamar ended up with seven, and Gus Edwards ended up with six, JB, six. <laughs> so, no, not not quite. How many rushing yards did Lamar Jackson finish with this year? Hmm. He, did he get over 1,000? Because he had a big second half. He was doing nothing in the beginning, but 
Yeah, I'm going to say he, he, he got over 1,000. I'm going to go 1,100. 1,005 rushing yards to lead the Baltimore Ravens, uh, going along with uh, 2,757 passing yards, 26 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Not too bad. Finished with a 64% completion percentage. So, I mean, it, it could have been a lot, lot worse. Uh, when we talk about these Tennessee Titans uh, and these Baltimore Ravens, any of these wide receivers, JB, just jump off the page at you is going to have a great game? No. Okay. Um <laughs> I think that A.J. Brown is playable. He's not jumping off the page at me, but he's a stud. I think he's playable, but he's going to have a bit of a tough matchup against Jimmy Smith. So he's not my favorite play on the board, um, but he is playable. And I can't really buy into the Hollywood Brown resurgence. He's just let us down so often this year that I think if I'm going to play anybody with Lamar, it's going to be Mark Andrews. Yeah, Willie Sneed. I'll take a Willie Sneed just to throw it in there. How about that? Uh, there you all right, go. That, <laughs> that sounds good. And I, I don't know if we both, I, I think Baltimore ends up winning this game. What about you? Yeah, I have Baltimore winning a game. And, and that's why I think in, in I'm going to use Andrews because I have to, I have to pick three tight ends. So I'm going to use Andrews in my playoff pool because really there's not three tight ends that I want to play. So I have to go with Andrews there. And on the Tennessee side, I'm, I'm going to use Derrick Henry. I do have Baltimore losing this game. So I think that if I'm going to get one game out of Tennessee, I'm just going to ride with Henry. I think if, if A.J. Brown had a better matchup, I might think about it. But I, I got to ride with Henry here. See, this is where as an analyst, and people usually just fade me at this point this year, uh, I'm, I'm really feeling at a disadvantage because I circled this game as I've been thinking about the baby bowl because I'm not sure who's going to win this game, right? Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to burn Lamar, I'm going to burn Lamar. Fine. So be it. If I'm going to burn Derrick Henry, let me burn Derrick Henry. You know, if he has a bad game, okay, so be it. I'm going to live with it, right? I, I, I can't see another opportunity to be able to use Derrick Henry in a losing situation where he'll, he'll do well whenever I fill out my bracket, right? Because it might be a ground and pound. It might be one of those games where he ends up with 30 carries and has a great game, or he might have 30 carries and end up losing the game. I, I don't I don't know. And I think Lamar Jackson will be able to throw a little bit, run a little bit, but he might lose the game too. And I don't want to be sitting there wishing I would have played one of those guys because at the end, I don't have enough players to play anymore. You know what I mean? So I, this is one of those opportunities where I look at this one and I'm going, mm, I think I'm going to play everybody. Yeah. Yeah. When you're talking about a one and done format, like the baby bowl, you know, you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson and especially in baby bowl and most of these, you're only using one quarterback each week, right? So there's plenty of quarterbacks to pick the next few weeks. If you do use Lamar, let's say you use Lamar and Baltimore does win. You can't use him next week. Okay. You still got plenty of good quarterbacks that you can use next week. You got Josh Allen. You know, you got Pat Mahomes coming in next week. You got Breeze. You, you got Rodgers. You got Brady. You know, you got maybe Russell Wilson. So you got plenty of quarterbacks you could use. So it's okay if you burn Lamar this week. I think that that's a smart play just in case they do lose. You don't know they're going to get through. And with Derrick Henry, West, the way I'm looking at Derrick Henry in a one and done is if you don't use him and he goes off, you're going to be mad. Oh, man, how do I not use one of the best running backs in the game? So I feel like you can fade him if you're going with the game play, the game script that you said, that they'll fall behind and have to get away from the running game. But I, I, I would kick myself if I didn't use him and he went off. So in a one and done, I'm most likely going to use him.
while you were talking, I was wondering why you weren't slapping me around. I thought I put you in charge of slapping me around if I was ever going to pick <laughs> Lamar Jackson again in the first or second round of any kind of format whatsoever. That didn't happen. I'm, I'm well, because I agree with it this time. <laughs> yeah, that's what you told me last time, too, as we were in the draft room together, too. Yeah, take them, Let's Take them. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All right, our last game of the board here is Cleveland versus Pittsburgh, JB. No, uh, it's not. Uh, you skipped you over the, the game that we can really fly through because it's a pretty boring one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to talk. I, you know, I, I sit there and I've talked myself into a couple of different times. I'm right around from place to place, delivering a little bit of bread here and there, or putting out fires here and there. Um, yeah, I, I sit there and try to give myself a chance and my Bears a chance, a puncher's chance, just like I did last week whenever they were playing against the Green Bay Packers. But, you know, I, I know. I, I'm not silly. I know. There's no shot. You know, there's no shot at all with the Chicago team and the New Orleans team, unless Michael Thomas doesn't come off of IR. Unless, what, who is, who's the running back there? Alvin Kamara isn't COVID uh, released by that point. Maybe then I would give us a puncher's shot. But if both of those guys are playing, you just forget about it, man. And there's not even anybody on the Bears that I'd want to use this week anyway. I don't care what anybody's saying. Alan Robinson this. Alan Robinson this. Listen, man. Listen, it just ain't going to happen. I don't know. this. It just, I don't feel it at all this week, JB, for my Bears. Yeah, and I'm going to use Robinson in my playoff format because I have to pick somebody from this team. So, unfortunately, if I, if I have to pick someone from a team that might get blown out, I want it to be the best player. Um, David Montgomery has looked good, but not against this run defense. This is the best running defense in the league. So I'm not going to play him against the Saints. So I I did give Cole Komet a little consideration, but that's too much of a dart throw for me. So I'm going to go with the steady guy in Allen Robinson. If you're going to have to pick someone, if you have to pick someone from every team in your playoff format, I I feel like you just got to go Allen Robinson here, use him in this one game that he plays and hope he has 10 catches and racks up some points for you. Look, Wes, uh, give you guys some kudos for making it to the playoffs. Okay. You know, yeah, you needed a little bit of help to get there, but you won games and you won some big games, including to, you know, one of the Super Bowl favorite Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, you know, got to give you kudos for getting to the playoffs in a year where you changed quarterbacks twice. Your coaches was on the hot seat, was off the hot seat and might have saved his job by getting to the playoffs. So kudos to the Bears for getting here. But yeah, I don't think they even have a chance this week. Michael Thomas was practicing. So I think he will be activated off mm-hmm. IR and all signs point to Kamara playing as well. So I think this is going to be the Saints in the landslide. So thank you, Bears. Thank you for playing and we'll see you <laughs> next year. Yes, and for baby bowl purposes, I'm not using anybody from Chicago, and I'm not going to use anybody from New Orleans. I don't think. I just can't see. Uh, you know, I could. I, too big of a defense for the Bears to, uh, for really any of those Saints to necessarily go off like that. And I think that I can save them a little bit more as the road continues to go, as that playoff road continues to widen for the New Orleans Saints a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you. I have the Saints playing two games, maybe three. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then, you know, you can use the asset like like a Camara in a game where he's one more week removed from being on the COVID list. Um, I consider using Allen Robinson in a one and done format just because he is that good. I mean, he is one of the top or second tier wide receivers in the league. I don't think Marshawn Lattimore is, is as good as people give him credit for. You know, he steps up against Mike Evans and that's about it. Um, PFF has him graded at a 54, which is 90th out of 124 graded cornerbacks. 
So he hasn't had a great year. I'm not really afraid of him. And I think Allen Robinson is one of those type of wide receivers that can beat him. So I consider him in a one and done. Like I said, I did pick him in my format where you have to pick one player from each team. And on the New Orleans side of the ball, I did go with Kamara. Um, I wanted to get him in there because he could, he just one of those guys who has the potential to put up 30 points. You know, he catches sure. passes. He could score multiple touchdowns. He could score six touchdowns, as we saw. <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to go with Kamara there, but I wouldn't play him in a one and done this week. I'd rather save him for maybe next week when he can have a nice matchup against the Seahawks run defense. Bears trivia. Who ended up with the most touchdown receptions for the Chicago Bears? I feel like this is a trick question because Allen Robinson is the answer that you want to give. Um, what did I say? I've said about Allen Robinson the entire time, though. I mean, I said that right. he's just not the guy who catches touchdowns. You're right. You're right. And Darnell Mooney did have some. I'm going to go Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham is correct with eight touchdowns, JB. Allen Robinson nice. finished with six. And Mr. Mooney, the rookie, finished with four touchdowns, 631 yards for a little Darnell Mooney, and 61 receptions. That's really good whenever you think of the quarterbacks that are throwing the ball to him. Let's go over Mitch Trubisky's numbers, JB. All right, Mitch it's Trubisky's number. Yeah, well, he just he was my boy. I, I, listen, he's he is. I I, I love the, I love his competitiveness. Okay, I, I think he was robbed this year. I think he really fell into a tough situation. I don't want to get into that too much, but I do believe that that's something that happened to him this year, and he kind of overcame it just a tad bit, just a tad bit. Ended up with 2,000 yards passing. How many touchdowns to interceptions did he have, though, JB? He probably threw like 10 interceptions and maybe like 18 touchdowns. Oh, you were really close. 16 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. So you were just too okay. off on that. Okay. And how many... Nick Foles ended up with 1,852 yards uh, through the air. What was his touchdown-to-interception ratio? How many games did he start? He had, like, a good chunk in the middle, right? He had, like, a played good nine games. games. Yeah, played nine, nine games. games total. Nine games total, probably eight games started. So a touchdown a game, eight touchdowns? Ten touchdowns. Eight interceptions, the same amount of interceptions as Mitch Trubisky did, but Trubisky threw 16 touchdowns. Kind of interesting whenever you look at it like that, uh, just because of the what's going on. And David Montgomery, let's let's put his uh, rushing total at a thousand yards. Did he get over that or under that? Oh, he went over it with that surge at the end of the year. 1,070 yards, just barely squeaked over it, but he did he did get over it with eight touchdowns. JB, not too bad, not too shabby. He had a couple receiving touchdowns too, didn't he? Uh, yes, he did. Uh, he had a total of two receiving touchdowns, so he finished with ten touchdowns for okay. the year. So that's not bad. It's kind of pointless to go through the. It seems like you know it, it, this year for the Saints, it was really just Alvin Kamara. You know what I mean? Because you had the Drew Brees injuries. He, he didn't really get a chance to be Drew Brees this year. And, and of course, we had uh, nobody standing out Mike, from, after Michael Thomas got hurt. Nobody stood out as a wide receiver there. Really, it was just Alvin, uh, Alvin Kamara this season. How many yards rushing did Alvin Kamara finish with? Um, rushing only. Yes. Probably 1,000. 932. Uh, yeah, I was say, I don't think he got to 1,000. Yeah, I yeah. mean, but that's still a lot of yards if you think about him being primarily uh, a, a receiving running back. How many yards receiving, JB? He had 756, so kind of a combined total there of, of almost 1,700 yards, which is quite a bit whenever you think of 
the the situation that he was in when Drew Brees went out, and then all of a sudden he wasn't catching any passes. He wasn't involved in the game at all. It kind of seemed to be a Latavius Murray and a Tyson Hill game. And and Taysom Hill, he he's the crazy guy. Whenever you think about that, how many total touchdowns did Taysom Hill have this season? I know he probably had like hmm, probably had like six or seven rushing. Um, I'm going to say total touchdowns. He had 12, 12. That's, that's pretty good. That's good. He had four passing touchdowns. Okay. So he threw four, he had eight rushing touchdowns and he ended up with one receiving touchdowns, 13, 13 total touchdowns. Okay, I am really close. impressed by your ability to know these things. <laughs> that's, that is fantastic. I, I, I really would love to see if you're teasing or not. That's what I would love to know. Well, um, I was thinking six to seven rushing touchdowns, right? I, re- I remember him catching a touchdown. So now I'm at eight and I figure, all right, he started, he played starting quarterback for a few weeks. So you figure he throws four touchdowns so i was close yeah no you were and michael thomas had seven games played this season with zero touchdowns with zero touchdowns that's kind of a crazy whenever you think about it so we will say new orleans is going to blow these guys out in the next game jb you got the cleveland browns versus the pittsburgh steelers i don't know what to think about this game i'm really feeling bad for our guy kingsman you know it just i'm, I'm feeling tough I, I hate it for man for all the cleveland brown fans for rob norton i am adopting the cleveland browns for well, one game. Anyway, we'll see if we'll see what happens after one game. But they're just they're they're getting injured, or I say injured, COVIDed. It's it's the NFL's not going to postpone the game, and they should. Okay, I'm just going to say that they should. I don't know that it would make any difference whatsoever if some people could come back uh, with a negative uh, COVID test or anything like that and be able to play on a Monday night or a Tuesday night or if they're just going to end up having to be out for that period of time. But if there's any possibility that they can move that game. Look, this is still the year 2020 as far as the season, the NFL goes, and we've adapted to a lot of things. And to make this as fair of a playing field as possible, I believe Cleveland should be able to have that opportunity to get some of these guys back. I know we can't set the game back a week. I know we can't do that, but we should be able to do something else here to be able to help the Cleveland Browns in some way, shape, or form. I think they're just fortunate that it's not like it was a couple weeks ago when their whole wide receiving core was out. I mean, yeah, obviously losing your head coach is, is big. I mean, that's that's the guy who who's pulling the strings there. But as far as players go, I mean, it, it was a special teams a special teamer, basically, Kadaryl Hodge. But the big one's Batonio, the the offensive lineman. I mean, that's a big, big pain to the left side because he plays left guard and their left tackle is a rookie who's been playing well. But that leaves a big opening on the left side of that offensive line. So I think for Chubb to find success, it's going to have to be to the right side. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And they're going to have to run that ball. I think somebody went out in their secondary again, though, didn't they today as well? Oh, did they today? I must have I believe that so. Today. I'll let you Google that a little bit. As I say, you know, if, if they're and, and Stefanski, he should be able to come in there, right? And be the head coach. I may I'm not saying down there on the field, but I'm saying somewhere in the stadium, he should be able to go. Look, if Nancy Pelosi could fly in some some senator or something to do a vote there, and fly him in who has COVID, who's on a quarantine, and then put her in a bubble and allow her to be there to be able to vote for whatever it was they wanted to pass through the Senate at that day, that they should be able to allow him to be able to come in and sit somewhere just to be with the team. Just to, I don't I don't know, just be a rah rah guy. I don't care if he has a headphone set on or not. Just I I, I think that it should be able 
able to be done. And by all means, they'd have to take all safety measures into consideration and everything. But man, it just kind of steams me that they're doing all this stuff. Yeah, and it's a special teams coordinator that is going to be, you know, acting head coach. I think they want the offensive and defensive coordinators to be able to focus on play calling and and on their their points of the game. Um, but you're right. I think you know if you you quarantine him in a room somewhere and give him a headset, he should have that opportunity in a playoff game. It was a safety that tested positive today, Ronnie Harrison, okay. who is a good is a good part of that defense and. Their other safety is not great, so I think that that could definitely hurt them, especially against a, a Steelers team that likes to throw the ball. Yeah, <laughs> loves to throw the ball. I don't even know that they know they got a running game. I think they think the running backs have got COVID because they don't even want to go around them at all. It doesn't seem like. Uh, we talk about Ben Roethlisberger and Baker Mayfield. Both of these guys have had pretty impressive years. I, I think that they both done well, uh, better than maybe we both thought they would going into the season. Yeah, I know we were both kind of down on Ben because we didn't know what we were going to get coming off of that elbow surgery. So I didn't also didn't think that they would throw the ball as much as they did with Ben aging Ben coming off an elbow surgery. So <laughs> definitely impressive to see what he was able to do this year, you know, in a year that Alex Smith, who almost died from his leg injury, if he did not come back and play this year, Ben's probably the candidate for comeback player of the year. So you know, got to tip your hat to him and what he was able to accomplish this year. And and Baker was a guy who people were starting to compare to Johnny Manziel and was wondering if he was going to be a bust. And and he really stepped up and proved the haters wrong. I know Kangas obviously was was all over Baker this year, but John and Pemba from Fantasy Alarm, I remember in the preseason just just blowing the whistle and tooting the horn and and you know being fully aboard that Baker train. And got to give these guys credit for seeing it because he really did step up this year. Yeah, and you talked about. Ben throwing the ball all the time. 600 passing attempts, JB. Almost had 400 completions for 38, only 3,800 yards, though. That's, I mean, you think about their 3,800 yards there. We were just talking about other quarterbacks throwing for 4,500 and all that stuff. And Ben Roethlisberger's throwing for 3,800, but he has 400 uh, completions. That, that's crazy numbers. That is crazy. That's a little crazy. How many touchdowns did he did he get to thirty five? I think he was probably around thirty five, mm, right? Let me guess here. Hmm. See, I'm taking a page out of your book right there. Thirty three touchdowns and <laughs> ten interceptions. Thirty three. Okay. Now, good numbers. Good numbers. Uh, definitely somebody who could be playable next year from a fantasy standpoint. The rushing game though is nothing. One hundred and sixty nine rushing attempts for James Conner, seven hundred and twenty one yards. I know he was injured a little bit. Six touchdowns. And then just four for Benny Snell. Nobody else is even on the radar there. But their receivers, JB, are going crazy this season, it seems like. We know who led the receptions, right? And how many receptions did Deontay Johnson have for this season? Hmm. He definitely led them. I would say he probably got close to 100, maybe like 94, 95. He had 88. Let me ask you how many Juju Smith-Schuster had. Juju had less, so I would say he's in the 70 range. 97. Get out of here, really? Yep, that's what it says. I'm, I'm just reading huh. the stats. I, maybe the, that's the stats. Well, you know what? Huh. At the end of the year, and I was actually looking at this when I was picking which Steeler I was going to pick for my playoff pool. Mm -hmm. At the end of the year, I noticed that Juju was obviously more involved. So I wanted to look up 
who led the team in targets and receptions the last few weeks. And Juju was the guy getting targeted the most these past, you know, four or five weeks. So he definitely did step up there. And I think that that is what swayed me into using Juju over Deontay in my playoff contest. Well, that was a good pick. You think about these yardage per games. Uh, Claypool, by the way, had 62 receptions. Now listen to the receiving yards. Deontay, 923. Claypool, 873. And Juju with 831. Nobody finished over 1,000, but everybody got really, really close. And the touchdowns, Claypool with 9, Juju with 9, and Deontay had 7. Uh, I know we all love Deontay and how many targets he gets and how many receptions he gets. But, you know, you just wonder if it's not going into this time of the year where Juju is going to get targeted more. He is that familiar face. He is that KG veteran there. It seems like now, even though he's just in his third year, what a great wide receiver core to build your franchise around, though. Well, I don't think Juju's going to be back next year, Mm. so I think they're going to take advantage of that and use him this playoffs. I think Ben's going to know that, and, and yeah, he wants to build his relationship with Deontay, but he and Juju have had a good relationship, and I think they want to go out on a good note. So if Juju's not coming back, number one, I think he's going to be heavily involved in the playoffs. And number two, I think it makes Deontay Johnson the guy to, you know, make a note in your smartphone to keep an eye on next year in draft season. I think he's going to have an even bigger breakout season next year. I can understand that. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, of course, in that backfield for the Cleveland Browns. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I, if I want to play any of those guys, who did you pick off the Cleveland Browns for the guy that you were going to keep? Nick Chubb? Well, this was the one where I was stuck between the two last teams to go tight end and running back. So I thought about going, all right, I'm going to go Nick Chubb here. Because they were both teams that I have only playing one game. It was between the Rams and the Browns. Both of them I have losing this week. So I figure, all right, it's a one and done, basically. I don't want to play a Rams tight end. Gerald Everett was the guy who I liked better, but he hasn't played well. And Tyler Higby is the one who has been playing better, who I don't like. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? I'm looking at targets and I'm looking what Austin Hooper has been doing the past few weeks. And yeah, granted, one of those games, they didn't have any wide receivers to throw to. But Baker's been looking his way a lot. And I think that if they're going to be playing from behind this game, I think that he's going to have to look Hooper's way again. So what I ended up doing was going with Cam Akers from the Rams and then going with Austin Hooper as my third tight end. Well, that's pretty sneaky. Look at you and thinking down the road, man. They're playing 4D chess here in <laughs> fantasy. You're playing fantasy 4D chess. All right. Hey, uh, Nick Chubb missed four games this season, right, because of injury, I believe, and probably left one of those games a little bit early, I'd, I'd imagine. How many uh, touchdowns did Nick Chubb end up having? Even with that missed time, Wes, he was still a top 10. Uh, I don't even know where he finished, but I think he was like somewhere in that running back eight or nine range in fantasy football, even with those missed games. Yeah, or, uh, how many touchdowns? He had more than 10 touchdowns. I'll call it 11. Uh, 11 touchdowns. He had 190 rushes, 1,067 yards, and 12 touchdowns, JB. So that's really yeah. good. So, I mean, just, you know, you think about the time that he missed, though, and he still had that. What about this wide receiving core? And we, co- uh, you know, just can, it, can can we look at somebody on here and say we got to use them this week against Pittsburgh, or is that defense just way too strong? Yeah, I don't think you got to use any of those guys. You know, obviously Landry is is the favorite there. Landry's the the target guy there and Clear But Mike Hilton, Mike Hilton is the slot cornerback for Pittsburgh and I've watched the past few Pittsburgh games. 
because I've had interest in it for whatever, you know, DFS or whatever, or, or playoff teams and players that I had. So I've watched a lot of their games. And Mike Hilton has been a guy who you've seen that 28 flying around the field making plays these past few weeks. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not too sure that Landry's going to find much success against this defense this week. I think Chubb can. You know, a lot of people think, oh, you can't run on Pittsburgh's defense, but you can. You've seen guys like Jonathan Taylor just go off against the Pittsburgh defense. So I think Chubb can find success. Losing Batonio on the offensive line hurts. But if he finds a couple of holes, he could certainly break one or two. And I think that Chubb is playable in a one and done. If you think about, you know, a format like the Baby Bowl, if you figure that Pittsburgh is going to win this game, this is your only chance to use Chubb. So a lot of people in a one and done format might not use Chubb because they'll feel like, oh, I can't use him against the Pittsburgh defense. So that could be something that sets you apart from the rest of your field also if he does come in and have a good game. Yeah, and I don't like Hunt in this game. Even if they do get down behind and they have to throw the ball a lot, I don't I don't like Hunt. Uh, man, Fitzpatrick just flies around the field so much, and he's able to find the the place that they're going to throw the ball, and he's able to make those open field tides. Look, I don't want I don't want to do anything to do with Hunt this week. Uh, probably Hunt goes off for 200 yards now. But uh, <laughs> you talked about running the ball. Austin Hooper is a great blocking tight end, in my opinion. I've watched him for years. If if for nothing no other reason. He's not that quick off the line, so he kind of just, you know, he's able to stand there for a minute <laughs> before he goes anywhere, and he's able to block. Um, so I, I think that he's able to be able to pick up some of the slack that that offensive line for Cleveland might be missing. That's my opinion. My opinion. Okay. We may have to talk with Andrew Cooper about that. <laughs> I'll ask him in the in the fantasy besties group chat. How good of a blocker! You no, know, just put me on the spot like that. He'll put, he called me out in baby bowl stuff. Then, hey, that baby <laughs> bowl uh, chat room—that's been pretty lit up. Uh, we got a lot of big hitters in there. So if you don't have, if you have not yet signed up for that baby bowl, I'm going to encourage you to do so. Uh, you can check out Rob Norton's pinned tweet over on his Twitter handle at Norton zero seven two three and JP. I do wish you all the luck this weekend. I hope you have a lot of fun with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning against the Washington football team. Or, uh, and I really hope I'm wrong just for your sake. I hope you are too, Wes. And, you know, I, obviously as a Bucks fan, I want my team to win. But I think it just makes for better football if you get a Bucks packers matchup next week. That should be a lot of fun. Oh boy, that would be amazing. I, and I uh, trust me when, when I when I talk about football, Washington is one of those teams I don't want to watch each and every week, and it's because <laughs> it, they're just so boring to watch. Which means that they can t- to me that means that they might be able to take Tampa Bay out of that kind of momentum that they like to keep building up. I hope I'm wrong for your sake, JB. So have fun this weekend. Good luck at all your DFS contests, all your little fantasy football contests that you got going on. I'm sure. I hope you scaled it back a little bit than the, than during the regular season. Yeah, thank God. I mean, I look, I, I think I played 20 leagues this season, so I, I just it was a little bit crazy. So playoffs, I'm taking it easy. I think I only have three playoff contests, including the baby bowl. So take it easy and be able to just watch some football and enjoy watching the Buccaneers run to the Super Bowl. Make sure you follow JB on Twitter at Fantasy Coach JB. He's always an interesting follow. Are you coming out with any sexy flexies this weekend? No, no sexy flexies. Sexy flexies are done. That went away with the regular season. So it was fun. It was a good column. Thank you for Razbol for giving me the chance for writing that column. I, it's going to be good. I'm going to be doing some content during the off season as well and then take it back over next year. Um, a lot of big things coming up. So we'll see what happens over the off season and, and see what goes from there. The Fantasy Besties live pod 
is going to be continuing on Monday night. So even though we don't have Monday night football to go into, we are going to continue to live pod. We'll recap the Sunday games. We'll talk about some other stuff. And, you know, I'm sure Linda will bring up something about kickers and Coop will bring up something about tight ends. And we'll have plenty to talk about. Maybe Loop will even sing for us. Loop. Uh, that'll be always fun. You guys always do a good job, and you do a good job hosting that show whenever you take the lead on there, JB. I appreciate you so much. Hey, uh, don't forget to follow the show, FI Today with a little underscore. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Loafinit, and head over to Anchor FM. Make sure you subscribe to the pro- podcast, and if it happens to be on the iTunes app, slap them stars, leave a comment, but more importantly than all those things, Fantasy Impact Today family, we want to encourage you to go out into the world and make a positive impact in somebody's life today.